Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Rasick. What is up, everybody, and welcome to Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. Uh, we are kind of relaunching this uh, podcast. I, I've done a, a full three episodes in the past, uh, but fortunately, uh, Chris Rasick, uh, the co-host, my co-host here, uh, decided to kind of give me the kick in the pants I needed to get this thing kind of back on track, and uh, and so... Thanks for that, first of all, and uh, let's go ahead and let's just get into the show. So, how's your week going so far, man? My week, uh, my week's going really well. Um, in fact, the entire month is is going pretty well as far as uh, you know personal sales. I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I got got some things coming together, and and you know, I, I mentioned it in in the Discord, and you know, like some days there are uh, you know just certain sales days where you can't check seller central without a higher seeing a higher number, you know, like mm-hmm. some days you're just locked in. Um, and, and it feels like a lot of my month has, there've been a lot of those days this month. So it's, it's a great feeling, you know, to kind that, of bust through. Yeah. That is always, it is always a nice feeling, uh, that the kind of success kind of builds up on itself. Uh, and of course that's a little, little top of mind for me right now, because I'm reading the book that you, told me to, or you shared, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to miss the, I'm going to totally blank on the name of it right now, but, uh, what the, the motivation, the motivation myth. myth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic book. And I think, uh, Good. I think maybe later on down the road, maybe we'll talk about that for a whole episode. Cause I think there's a lot of takeaways for the Amazon seller. Um, yeah, absolutely. Before we, before we dive in, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing here. So, uh, we are going to be doing a weekly podcast from here on out, uh, with myself, Chris Grant and my co-host, Chris Rasick. And we're going to be talking about all of the things that arbitrage sellers are interested in. We're going to be talking about retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, probably get into a little bit of wholesale. Uh, and we're also going to be bringing on guests on occasion, but mostly you're going to hear our voices. Uh, or see our faces if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, because, of course, we have to post this to YouTube as well. Uh, but I want you to know a little bit about what you're going to be getting, because this kind of came out uh, of Chris chatting with me a little bit about how there there wasn't really any content that he loved about arbitrage out there in the podcast world. Uh, there's plenty of it on YouTube. There's plenty of Facebook groups. There are a couple of arbitrage uh, podcasts that are that have been around in the past uh, and are even around now, but uh, nothing, nothing quite hit the spot. And so we're going to try to do that. And uh, I hope that we, I think we'll hit the mark. It'll probably take us a, a, a few episodes to uh, get our stride. But I think once we do, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it should be educational, whether you're a new seller or have been around the block a couple of times. Uh, and yeah, and and it's also going to just be a good time. Otherwise I don't think we would continue doing this. 
so Chris, I appreciate the kind of kick in the pants on that. And uh, we've got a, we've got a topic we'll hit today uh, and then we'll have a topic every week. Uh, but we're going to start off with a little bit of news and we've got quotes. We're going to talk about books uh, that you should probably read or at least uh, grab the Cliff's notes for. Uh, and am I missing anything? No, I, you know, I kind of envision it, um, you know, as, as mostly because there's nothing like, you know, your office hours, you know, I like mm -hmm. listening to uh, watching your office hours. Um, it seems like the money must be in private label as far as the gurus go, you know, because the ratio is, is way out of whack as far mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, the you can get private label information everywhere. But, you know, arbitrage just it wasn't represented fairly i thought you know there wasn't anything that i i would want to listen to you know as i pop in the you know hop in the car and, and i've got 20 minutes to kill you know so uh, I, I really didn't expect you to say yes when i asked you <laughs> you know it's like like one of those things like i was a little hesitant to even hit hit enter you know to send the message but um i'm glad you did um you know it's funny i i, I had the scenario playing out in my head of uh you know people discovering the podcast and you know, I, I think it goes something like they'll see clear the shelf and they go, oh, that's Chris Grant. Cool. Uh, and then you'll, they'll see Chris and Chris and they'll say, you know, oh, it, it must be Chris Green, right? No. Uh, they go, oh, maybe it's maybe it's Chris Anderson. That's always fun. Nope. And then, you know, then they find out and they go, Chris who? <laughs> 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 but, uh, uh, you know, it, like I envision it like. You know, I mean, we'll have fun. You know, I enjoy talking to you. Um, you know, it's always a good time. Uh, but I kind of envision this as, as you know, a good portion of it will kind of be kind of eavesdropping on my coaching call, <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. I, I definitely want this to be, you know, not only do I want to be a part of, you know, a podcast that uh, provides education, but, you know, I want to learn stuff too, because I, you know, I'm always learning and I'm always interested and, and uh, you know, consuming as much content as possible. So we'll definitely have to have those other Chris's on as guests. I think that Chris Anderson will be a lot of fun. Chris Green, of course, is the OG of, of basically all things Amazon. Uh, so they'll probably be good guests in the future. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm definitely glad we're doing this. Uh, and I know we've got a, we've got an interesting topic tonight uh, or today, whenever you're, you might be listening to this. And it's one of those things that, I don't know. It's almost perennial. Uh, you hear about it, you know, in some Facebook group or you hear about it uh, on Reddit. If you ever go over there, uh, definitely hear it in places like the Amazon seller forums, uh, which I'll just come out and say it is an absolute cesspool. Ninety five percent of the time or more of either <laughs> bad information or people just complaining. Uh, but I know that we're going to be talking about arbitrage is dead and some other myths. Um, so what, yeah. I guess what, what's your take on that? It, is that something that ever that you were like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I ought to stop and take a second because maybe arbitrage is dead. Maybe these people are right. And the sky is falling and all of that. No, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd like, I love this topic. Um, and, and I, I think it's definitely worth exploring. Um, because uh, have you ever seen the movie Stand By Me? Oh, absolute classic. 
Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Class. Anybody listening, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's an eighties requirement um, as far as classic movies. Right. But there, so there's a scene where um, all the kids finally, you know, leave their parents' houses and they're off, you know, for, for whatever, uh, you know, uh, the hangout time that they're about to have. And, and the one, I think it's Jerry O'Connell's character. He goes, you guys want to see a dead body? <laughs> you know? and, and I thought about that and, and follow me here. Uh, uh, this does come all the way around to, to Amazon, but yeah, there always seems like there's uh, a scenario where usually it's when you're a kid, but uh, like, here's an example. My, one of my friends, when I was a kid, he, uh, his family owned a funeral home. Right. And, the first time, like when I spent the night there the first time, you know, it was, it was a great time, but there was always that lingering possibility that he's going to ask me if I want to go down to the morgue, <laughs> you know? So, so there's like this, there's this, this scenario, this, this danger, this, you know, potential to see something that will like rewire your DNA and, and change you forever because of the horrors and, and something that you can't unsee but you're kind of drawn to it at the same time, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're drawn to the danger. That's how I view the seller forums. You know, like I'm going to see something I can't unsee, can't unread. And, and it's, it's ultimately a horror, <laughs> but every once in a while I'm drawn to it. And you only have to wait a little bit before you see a tagline somewhere along the lines of arbitrage is dead, you know, and, and you know, to somebody, Somebody talking about how their their uh, you know account was hacked or, or you know Amazon's being unreasonable and and you know it kind of it's the same themes over and over again. But that's the complete opposite of my experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, oddly enough, retail arbitrage is a growing percentage of my business. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's going it, it's reaching the level of online arbitrage. You know, it's almost fifty fifty at this point. Um, and I certainly didn't expect that, you know, but it's kind of been, uh, you know, some mastermind groups and, and you know, bolo groups and, and some strategic things that I got involved with and, and executed. It's actually brought retail arbitrage, uh, you know, it, it's made it become a, a huge part of my business. And I love it. You know, it, it's I like shopping. Like I've always liked that. It's, you know, I enjoy the treasure hunt portion of it. Um, you know, I kind of get a thrill out of that. So. I've never seen any evidence uh, that it's even in the twilight of its life. Um, so I don't buy it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I don't know. I guess I get it. it one, when you complain, I get, you see a, a grand apparently figure on Facebook every now and again, and they, they complain about something, whether it's, political or it's you know i don't know something at their church group or whatever and everyone seems to you know oh well that happened to me and you know what i'm right there with you uh it's it's just funny how one person complains and then everyone likes to pile on that uh and that's kind of the way that i i feel that one the seller forums are uh you know people are looking for a place to vent uh, but two, it happens in Facebook groups and, and other places as well. Uh, you know, someone, I don't know, seller performance doesn't accept a receipt or uh, they can't get ungated. And, and everyone is like, oh, well, that happened to me. And, and this is all over and it's all ending. Uh, I try to I try to explain that to a lot of people when I when I talk to folks, they're like, oh, well, I read or my favorite is 
you know, someone said they heard. And I'm like, listen, whenever you start with someone said they heard, I'm like, you need to you need to take it with a big grain of salt, uh, because one playing telephone with that kind of information is never good. Uh, and two, who did they hear it from? I mean, you know, I could make something up and, and say that. But uh, let's I'll tell you what, let's start with one of the one of the most pervasive myths. You can't make money with retail or online arbitrage like you used to because there's more competition. So I want to get your thoughts on that. And then and then I've got some as well. Yeah, I don't you know how like I'm not a I'm not a big seller. Like I, I should say that up front. You know, like I am I'm no expert here. You know, I am I, I'm actually trying to grow. Um but I am not a large seller, don't, and I won't pretend to be. Um, I don't know if I just kind of jumped in the fire when I did, you know, because I'm basically, I, I'm at about three years now mm -hmm. uh, as far as selling on Amazon. Um, and maybe it, it, it might have been the nature of how I did it, because I always joke uh, about myself that I was a, a perennial test buyer. You know, like uh, I wanted to, I don't know if I actively wanted to avoid the having a story of, you know, going deep on something and getting burned, but I don't know. I, I just kind of came into it. You know, I took your advice to heart, you know, uh, uh, about going wide and not deep. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of trained myself and, and kind of jumped into this and, and, or, you know, found your tribe, you know, with the, the philosophy of just constantly finding new products. You know, so it really doesn't hurt too bad um, if I lose an item, you know, if I if I lose a, a replenishable. Um, now, it it does hurt. I won't say it, it doesn't hurt at all. But, you know, obviously, um, if it's something really good, you know, I might stomp my feet and you know get angry about it. Sure. But uh, but I'm constantly looking for new stuff, you know, and, and so that that's just kind of how I was wired when I got into this. So, so competition doesn't, I mean, it's frustrating, you know, because competition, this, this is a, uh, you don't have to venture too far before you get into the price tanking and stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, just generally more sellers coming on to a listing that you're on. Um, usually good things don't happen, <laughs> you know, when that, when that happens, but, uh, but I'm always looking for, for new stuff. I've always got scans going and, and, and you know, I'm hitting the, the stores and, discount stores and you know they a lot of the retail places i hit you know, don't have a lot of repeat inventory mm -hmm. you know they're, they're they're not you know the store itself is more of a replenishable than items itself you know i know that they're going to work deals getting closeouts and, and stuff like that and in general uh they're going to have a good supply for me so um you know I, I try not to get it let it get to me you know and, and i certainly don't think there's some grand uh uh you know saturation uh you know that's about to hit the tipping point yeah i i would agree with that i like i like what you said there uh, about one of your stores being a replenishable rather than the product you don't you don't necessarily have to think okay well if this product goes there you know so goes my business because as long as that store is open i should be able to hit it on a regular basis over and over again and, and find products continuously uh, I, I kind of like the way you think of that. Now, I would I would add to this: is there is there more competition? Well, from the time that I first started, yes, there is absolutely more competition, and uh, 
I would say that the competition has gotten a bit more mature. Uh, I don't know how many folks have been around Amazon as long as I have. I know Chris Green uh, and there are a few other sellers who've been around, you know, longer than me that I know personally. Uh, and so, yes, the the landscape uh, has changed. It has it's no longer a toddler throwing a fuss. It is it's now a teenager and it's, you know, Amazon can be a little angsty at times. Um, and so the competition is different. I think that there are I think that there are more business savvy people on Amazon as sellers than there used to be. It used to be, you know, it was only the people it was the people who were selling on eBay. As a matter of fact, people should know that Amazon got started they were out sniping eBay sellers to to bring them over to Amazon. I don't think I don't know if a lot of people know that or not, but they Amazon would actively message eBay sellers and say, hey, come on over to our platform and check it out over wow. here. Uh, and and you've got those people who have grown up and matured on the platform uh, and they realize, well, you know, I don't I'm not going to get a 40 or 50% margin on my products like I could a decade ago, but that's okay. I'm going to turn inventory so fast that a, a 10% margin is going to be all right because that's going to, it's going to build on top of itself. Uh, and then you, of course, you do have some people who are out there and maybe they're only looking for points on their credit cards. Uh, and, and that's kind of, you know, the, the way that they, sell on Amazon. They don't want to make any money. They just want to churn credit card points. But the other thing that I think happens, and I think this is where most of the problem comes in. People want to get started on Amazon and maybe they go out and they watch some YouTube videos or now they're going out and they're watching TikToks while they're, you know, while Netflix is going in the background and they see people who are going in and shopping clearance and flipping that on Amazon. And of course, the people making those videos, nothing wrong with educating, but they're not ever talking about, well, here's what happens when I buy a product on clearance at Walmart, when that product is also on clearance at every other Walmart in the entire country. Well, it's going to get saturated. There's going to be a ton of people who are finding it. Walmart is shopped by just about everyone. Uh, and I think that's where the competition lies. I used to make a ton of money in the clearance aisles. It was all I shopped for probably a couple of years. Uh, Meyer and Walgreens and Walmart, I would go and just crush clearance. But there were not uh, uh, half a million other sellers doing the exact same thing back then. And there are now. So what you need to do, in my opinion, these days is you can't just go after the lowest hanging fruit. Uh, and, and that's why I do like to tell people go wide and not deep because you can take a series of small bets on yourself, which you can't really do in any, I mean, you don't know anybody opening up a brick and mortar store. Who's like, you know what? I'm really just going to test, uh, I'm just going to test $20 and see how this brick and mortar thing goes. Uh, and Amazon and eBay are really the only places you can actually do that. Uh, so I think the biggest takeaway is, is you've got to get out of the clearance aisles, whether that's online arbitrage, retail arbitrage. There are so many products that you can buy and create bundles, multi-packs. There are items that just sell for more than, than retail uh, just because people pay for the convenience or 
you know, they don't know that it's available at their local target. And 60% of people go shopping and looking for product on Amazon before they even do Google. Uh, and so they're just willing to pay for it because it's there. Uh, one of the other things that I think is a big problem is there was a term for this back when I first got started. It was called being a scanner monkey. Uh, and it, the people who just take their phone and only scan barcodes, uh, you know, I just don't think you can do that anymore. You know, no. people, people either don't put in the right UPC code on Amazon or they've created a, a multi-pack or maybe they've created a bundle, you know, two different flavors of popcorn or, or whatever it is. And you can find those products fairly easy, but it takes time. Uh, and I think that maybe one of the episodes down the road, we'll talk about, you know, like how to go in and actually find these types of listings and, and get out of kind of the low hanging fruit that everyone I think gets started with, uh, you know, on Amazon. Yeah, that's definitely worth diving into. You know, I mean, ultimately, you're, you're getting out of the clearance aisle and finding stuff. Um, you know, in other parts of the store, you know, you're moving to areas with less traffic, mm -hmm. you know, as far as Amazon sellers treading, you know, in those waters, which logic would tell you that the products that you find in the, the lesser searched aisles are probably going to be profitable for longer. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's probably going to keep you from, you know, crying the blues on seller forums, uh, at least for a little while. Exactly. Yeah. Uh have you ever run into another Amazon seller out in the store? I can't confirm it a hundred percent, but uh, I've seen some people uh, pretty active with their phones. So okay, I, I can I, I can only think stories. of I can only think of three times that it's happened. Uh, once the guy wouldn't talk to me. Uh, he, he, I went, I started walking toward him and I said, I was, I was like, Hey man. And he was like, uh, and he pushes his cart away and I'm like, okay, that guy, that guy didn't want to talk. The other two times they happened to be people I, I actually knew. Uh, and both of the times they were in clearance aisles. I was there, they were there, but I've never run into anybody while doing retail arbitrage in the full pipe priced pantry aisle. That's just never happened. Uh, so okay. I think that's a big thing. Uh, like let's talk it. about another myth. You can't scale with arbitrage. Uh, and I know that this right. is often something that people talk about with retail arbitrage. Uh, but, and I'm going to completely disagree, but I want, I want to get your, your, your ideas first. Uh, yeah, I, I disagree. I, you know, it kind of, it, it's a continuation of what we were just talking about. You know, it, it's about moving away from the clearance aisle and into the, the normal aisles, you know, and, and simply scanning it. Um, you know, I think the, I think there are way too many people who have ROI expectations that are, are way too high. You know, I, I don't, I don't think people understand, um, you know, that, that it's okay to, to grab something at 30% ROI, if you can move a few dozen every single month mm -hmm. and it's not in the clearance aisle, it's just on the shelf. It's the regular priced product. It's always in stock, you know, and, and 
you know, you can make money and you can build a business with, with those kind of numbers. You know, um, there are a lot of really successful people, you know, and if you can actually talk to some of them, um, you know, and kind of pay attention, uh, you know, you kind of realize that it's less about the ROI and just simply more about moving, moving the products, you know, mm -hmm. just getting that those sourcing dollars back and the profit and flipping it just as many times as you can. You know, they, there's, they, you know, that exercise of, uh, you know, somebody with 100% ROI that could sell it twice in a month versus 50% ROI, but they can flip it five times or six times in the same month, you know, and then you run the numbers over the course of a year or whatever it is. And, it, you know, it, it'll change your attitude about it real quick. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is. It is really fascinating. People who I... I, don't know, I almost think it's a detriment when someone's like, I don't accept anything less than 100% ROI. Uh, and yep. I mean, maybe when you're just getting started, that's okay. Uh, but I, I think you need to move away from that really, really quickly. And I guess one of the, I, one of the ways that I think about it is I was actually, I was looking at my savings account today and I, I noticed on there that they have a little place like, here's how much interest we've paid you this year. And, and I don't know, they kind of made a big deal about it. And I looked at it and I, <laughs> I laughed. I'm like, this is not something to be proud of, Chase. Uh, and it's like, it was like a dollar and 50 cents. You know, it, it just super small. So there's not really anywhere else where you can get even a 30% ROI on your money. Uh, you know, Maybe if you're lucky in crypto, you could get a 30% ROI on your money. Although right now, uh, I know that's definitely not happening for me or anybody else I know. Uh, you know, but Amazon allows you to get that ROI on a regular basis over and over again. There are going to be some some losses. You know, it, it happens. You're gonna you're gonna take an L on occasion, but uh, as long as you've gone wide, you're gonna be able to kind of hedge your bets a little bit. Uh, and and then you can scale that up, you know, as long as you reinvest your profits. So and I'd love to say like, oh, well, you know what? Uh, there's no examples that we can show you. But I know of some I've interviewed some. There's a guy by the name of Dan. Uh, he's a him and his team. They do retail arbitrage, I think, exclusively, mostly in the mm -hmm. clothing and shoes. Uh, and they've scaled their team. I want to say that they're. They either hit eight figures last year or they're going to hit eight figures this year. And that's just with retail arbitrage. Uh, there's another guy. And, and clothing and shoes. Yes. You know, like, so that's a whole other myth itself. You know, like people won't touch that because of returns and, and you know, trouble uh, reading, you know, variation, you know, portion. Oh, of yeah. And, yeah, that's that's a whole issue itself. Wait, let the, me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, arbitrage and let's roll not only retail arbitrage but also online arbitrage Where, what do you think the ceiling is for a seller doing exclusively retail arbitrage and online arbitrage just a one person operation oh a one person operation no uh, or do you allow prep help in that situation or is it everything's a one-man show uh yeah, let's include some casual prep help because I think okay. that's that could be pretty minute. Casual prep help with someone who is really good and doesn't mind working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. 
I would say two million, maybe three million in gross sales, depending on what kind of products they like to flip. Wow. See, I, now that's that's a serious uh, a serious volume there. Yeah. Uh, that'd be a lot of hustling. I mean, it would not be, it definitely would not be something you could, you know, you wouldn't be taking a week's vacation ever. You, you'd be hitting it really hard. Uh, and Q4, I mean, you wouldn't go to any family functions. You wouldn't have a life outside of selling on Amazon. Uh, you know, but I watch, I, I do watch guys, you know, I guess I would consider him one of the elder statesmen of, of selling on Amazon. Uh, and they've built up a team and him and his wife travel and, uh, you know, hang out with their adult children. And I, you know, uh, see them do all kinds of cool things because they've built up a team and they've got shoppers in a couple different places in the country, uh, and their margins are, you know, not bad. Uh, and one of the things they do that I think a lot of people are probably afraid of is they actually create their own clothing listings. They'll bring new lines of clothing to Amazon, which that's something I don't even think I would do, uh, you know, but it works for them and, and they obviously, you know, do very well at it. Uh, we interviewed him, I don't know, several months ago, and he talked about one of his employees finding a, a new brand that they brought to Amazon. And I, I don't recall the name of it off the top of my head, but in the very first year, I think they sold like hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars worth of that one particular brand on Amazon, and they created like all of the listings. Wow! Uh, you know, so I just I don't. When people say you cannot scale on Amazon, I just I don't buy it. I, as long as you get the processes in place, which you know it does take some. It's going to take some processes. It's going to take some. Uh, I think some willingness to delegate and things like that. But once you get things dialed in, I don't, I almost don't want to say there is a limit. I mean, there obviously is, but I, I don't think that it's, uh, it's easily eight figures, maybe multiple eight figures, you know, 20 million, 30 million in an arbitrage business. It'd be a, a well-oiled machine, but I definitely think that's possible. See, that, that's encouraging. You know, because we know that there's there's help out there. You know, there are VAs and, you know, there's, uh, you know, I find it pretty easy to get, you know, very, very part time prep help. Um, you know, but it, if you I design it so that the prep help is doing the stuff that I absolutely despise, you mm -hmm. know, which which is, you know, double benefit because, you know, not only am I uh, more productive, I'm, I'm happier, you know. So, yeah, I mean, if, you, if those are the numbers, you know, just a single person operation. I mean, that's, and, and you, you know, chop that up however you want, you know, I mean, if you don't want to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, you know, and I mean, you know, scale it to, to what, you know, you could scale it down pretty decently, uh, you know, and, and still make a viable living from it, uh, you oh, know, yeah. and move some free time. I mean, that's, that's encouraging. And, and, you know, the one, and one thing that I, you know, the main reason I don't think arbitrage is dead is, is, you know, I kind of, I look at myself quite a bit and I kind of analyze I'm a little bit too hard on myself sometimes, but that, you know, I, I think that can be constructive um, in certain doses and I'm not going to fool anybody. I could be far more efficient, mm -hmm. you know, like, but I, you know, I enjoy it. And, and, you know, so I'm willing to, to, 
sit at the computer and, and just, you know, treasure hunt online arbitrage. And like I told you, I don't mind going to the stores and, and shopping and stuff, but I know there are areas that I could be more efficient. So I know I'm not fooling myself. I know I could take the same amount of hours that I'm putting in right now and make more money mm-hmm. if I just got serious and, and, you know, was honest with myself and, uh, you know, took the steps I need to do to, to become more efficient with this. And I think I, th- I think you bring up a good point there because some people what maybe they're new to Amazon, maybe they're, uh, you know, been, been at it a couple of months and they're like, you know what, there, there's no way I'm going to get to a million dollars. Well, here's your permission to not have to be a million dollar seller. Uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's OK if this is a lifestyle business. Uh my whole goal of you know helping people sell on Amazon or answering questions, things like that is, I mean, just to be able to help people get out of the rat race. And I know some people who do this as a side gig and and they don't want to do, you know, they don't want to quit their job. Uh, but I know a lot of people would be a lot happier if they didn't necessarily have to go punch a clock or uh, or report to a boss. I know that it's made me a lot happier not having to report to somebody or have somebody looking over my shoulder. Uh, and, and to do that, it does not necessarily require you to sell seven or eight figures on Amazon. You just need to be able to pull out enough money to be able to replace your income or or maybe even a little bit better. Uh, and that's okay too. Uh, you know, when I see people post, you know, their screenshots and, and, uh, social media. I'm like, you know, that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy for them. And it took me a long time to be like, oh man, you know what? I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. Uh, and I finally realized you know, I don't have to, it's kind of like golf. I'm not, uh, if you and I go out and play around, I'm not really playing against you. I'm playing against right. myself. Uh, you know, I want to do better than I did last, last round. Uh, and I, I try to start, I try to start thinking about Amazon that way. Uh, do I want to beat last year? Yeah, absolutely. But I can do that in a couple of different ways. One, I could sell more, uh, and try to keep my margins the same or two, uh, I could maybe try to increase my margins and sell the same or a little bit less. Uh, there's, there's not really a, a wrong way to do it as long as you're, I guess, making yourself happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's like the uh, now if listeners who aren't in the VIP, but, uh, you know, we have this channel in the discord uh, called Box Wars and uh, people post uh, the boxes that they're shipping out, you know, into the, the Amazon warehouses. And uh, it, it kind of got to the point where the shipments were so big, I think it discouraged smaller sellers or, or smaller shipment amounts from being posted. Mm-hmm. Um and I, but I, I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing, you know, just shipments. I don't know. Maybe that's a, a, a sickness or maybe I'm, I'm you know, too far into this, but I really like it. So, and it, it just kind of went quiet for, for a long time. And I think the last one, um, I forget who posted, but it was like a $16,000 uh, expected sale shipment. And, you know, it was such a, <laughs> there were so many boxes in the picture. You could barely see any portion of the house that it was in like it was just <laughs> like that's that's the side and then there was nothing for for quite a period of time but you know i 
I mean, part of it is, is just because I want the channel to, to get active again. But, you know, I, ultimately I thought to myself, cause my shipments aren't big, mm-hmm. but I'm consistent, you know, especially as I, I put more stuff in place and, and I've, I've outsourced the stuff that I don't like doing so that I don't put it off. Um, it's made me more efficient and I'm more consistent. And I said, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to compare myself to other sellers. You know, it's like the, there are so many Facebook groups that, that have the hundred thousand dollar, uh, you know, screenshot from seller central and, you know, and then there's the $1 million screenshot and, uh, you know, you can, that can be discouraging sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like, you know, especially if you're sitting there going, Oh, I'm so far away from that. But, um, you know, I, I like I just decided to post in, in the box and if it's only three boxes, so be it, you know, it, it's, guess what? Another week I got a shipment out, you know, and I'm happy with it. Um, it's more, it's gradually moving in the direction that I want it to go. So I, I I'm just going to be proud of it and I'm going to share it, you know, and, and yeah. hopefully, uh, get my, one of my favorite channels, uh, uh, back to life in the process. So I, you know, that's big with me is not comparing myself to other sellers, you know, um, and it's, you know, you shouldn't compare yourself to the people posting in seller forums, you know, because you don't mm-hmm. know, you know, you could hear a story where somebody is like, oh, you know, they they won't accept my receipts. You don't know how that person annotated it. You know mm-hmm. that you don't know what tribe they're in. You know, I mentioned it earlier. You know, there, there's something to be said about what the tribe that you find as far as where the you know. I mean, you know, maybe some people do it solo, but, you know, obviously it's better to have a support group and, and somewhere where you can ask questions or whatnot. And and there's there's a pretty wide range of, of tribes that you can get into. And each tribe is, is probably going to have different philosophies and, and procedures and methods and um, advice in general. You know, I mean, your your tribe's a good one. I, I uh, you know, I love it. Um, it's been great for my business and, and you know, my journey. Um, and I think a lot of people would would agree with me. But not everyone is in the same tribe, you know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of bad advice in the forums and, and, you know, so, so, you know, everything has to be taken with a, with a big grain of salt. And, uh, you know, I've been better since I consciously decided to not compare myself to other sellers, just get, get better, keep going. Mm-hmm. You brought up something that, that kind of goes nicely into the next myth about, Amazon not accepting a receipt as like proof of authenticity, uh, you know, or, or something like that. Uh, and that being one of the things that, you know, is proof that arbitrage is, is dead or dying. Uh, have you, let me ask this, have you ever had to prove authenticity to Amazon on a product? Yes. Um, okay. And I got, uh, I had to do it twice on the same product. I got uh, double dipped on it actually. Oh, nice. Was it, was it a paper receipt from a retail store or was it a receipt via email from an online store? It was, uh, I used, it was a GameStop order. Um, okay. And uh, so I, I actually, I kept everything. Like I even still had the packing slip, um, you know, so I just, just nerded out on the response and, and I was like, here's the, rec- here's the confirmation email, you know, and here's the, here's the receipt, here's the packing slip. And, you know, um, and it was uh, it was retracted in in two hours. Yeah. Um, so I get I, I saw this recently. I saw someone say, "Oh, well, Amazon, you know, they won't accept my my retail store receipt." 
and that was proof positive to them that it's game over. I got to find another way to sell on Amazon. I've either got to go to the private label route or I've got to go wholesale only. Um, I'll, I'll give everyone, uh, I don't know. I'll, here's a spoiler alert, I guess. Sometimes Amazon will not accept wholesale invoices either. Uh, it, it happens. Uh, maybe it's bad training. Uh, maybe it's someone who is overworked and not actually looking at your invoice and looking at the information you sent. Uh, I, can, I can tell you from personal experience that last summer when I got suspended, uh, I, I know with, without a shadow of a doubt that Amazon was not reading my responses. I was getting I was getting a rejection notice within seven minutes, uh, and my my plan of action was long enough that it would probably take someone seven or eight minutes just to read through it and look at the supporting documentation. Uh, and and it was you know that's just the way it is. They they have so many things to go through that they don't always look at at what you're sending into them. Uh, but the other thing is is sending in things properly. I would I would almost bet money that for people who do not have receipts or invoices accepted that they're probably not annotating them properly. Uh, now, it's going to be different for ungating, it's going to be different for, you know, showing Amazon that something is authentic. And I think we'll focus on authenticity issues just for time's sake. Uh, but with authenticity issues, they do accept store receipts just about 99.9% .9 of the time. Uh, I'll give myself that 0.1% just as kind of a, a hedge uh, against, you know, them accepting it 100% of the time. But a couple of things that you should do that I've always found is one you need to make sure to mark up the receipt really well. Highlight the item. If it has a UPC on it, make sure that's highlighted. Uh, you can mark out the price if you want to. Uh, I always write the, the title of the product that's on Amazon. I mean, word for word. So if it's uh, Nike, LeBron James, you know, yellow, size 12, uh, pack of two in quotations, I make sure to write that out exactly like Amazon has it. And then I put the ASIN right underneath of that. Uh, you know, mark, mark up the, you know, maybe it has your credit card information on it. Mark that up and show them it's the same one that's on your Amazon seller account. Uh, I always like to highlight where I bought it from. So if I bought something from Target or GameStop or Walmart or Kohl's or wherever it is, I like to highlight that. And then I'll put the target information there. Uh, you know, I'll use their corporate address. I'll put their phone number uh, and just call everything out to make things really, really easy. Uh, and it usually becomes pretty simple. Uh, the other thing I hear a lot is, oh, Amazon's not going to accept your receipts from you know, TJ Maxx or uh, these other closeout and discount stores. Uh, have you ever had had an issue with a product from one of those stores? No. Uh, okay. However, I do I do take pictures. Uh, you know, like if it's a store that has their own UPC codes or something like that, I I will take a picture to 
uh, you know, anticipating <laughs> just to try to make it smooth if it ever happens. Cause that, that doesn't sound fun. Has that ever happened? No, uh, it has, it has happened to me from TJ Maxx, but, uh, it's also something I do. If I, if I buy from TJ Maxx Marshall's, uh, Tuesday morning, one of those closeout places, I do take a picture of the product. Matter of fact, we were just, uh, we were just prepping some things from a closeout store. Uh, and I said, Hey, take pictures of these right next to the receipts. I want to be able to match them up if I have a problem, uh, because you need to make sure that those little SKUs or ACE or UPCs that the store uses matches up on the receipt. Plus you got a picture of the item. It matches on Amazon, uh, and it makes your life a whole heck of a lot easier. Um, I did a video on how to properly annotate receipts and I've had four or five people reach out and say they didn't accept it the first time I did it your way and it absolutely worked. Uh, and I would say 99% of the time, as long as you do it properly, it's not really a big deal. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said about, you know, getting back to what not knowing what these horror stories, what the process was, you know, pretty much, you know, the processes that you have in place and, and, you know, that, that we can find in your videos and, and whatnot. I, I don't know any stories where people say, Nope, didn't work. I tried that, you know, it, it's uh and then once you find out, you know, especially if you get into a, a, a thread, you know, where people kind of reveal a little bit more of, of what they actually did, you know, you, you, most of the time you find out, you know, what, what the grave error was that, that doomed the effort. And, uh, it, it's not a best practice <laughs> most of the time. Absolutely. All right. We've got a couple more. I want to hit them a little, a little faster. Uh, but uh, another thing that you'll hear is when you resell a product, it's no longer new. Uh, have you ever had anybody tell you this or, or I'm sure you've read it somewhere. Yeah. It hasn't happened to me personally, but yeah, I, I have, um, I I've come across a, a couple things I've read about it. So I think, I think what happens when those folks are like, oh, well, you know, if I buy something off the shelf at, we'll say Target, I buy a box of Legos off the shelf at Target, it's, it's not new anymore because it's, it's been taken out of the store. Well, that, that's not true. I, I think we all know that, you know, if, uh, you know, if my wife buys my son a box of Legos and buys it off the shelf, wraps it up in, you know, paper and then he opens it for his birthday he's getting it in new condition uh but i think what people do is some brands not, not a whole lot but some some electronics companies especially will say well you know what if you if you bought this from a third-party seller it's used and so we're not going to honor the warranty uh and if if that's the case Yes. That one, that should be a brand that you try to stay away from. And I can't think of any off the top of my head that do this. Uh, oh, wait. Um, yeah. Linksys. Linksys would be one that yeah. used to pull this a lot in the past. Uh, so, but there's two things to that. Number one, they're just trying to use a technicality to try to keep third-party sellers from selling products. But number two When's the last time that you actually, A, tried to use a warranty on a product, and B, 
have you ever had them ask you for chain of custody to try to get something fixed under warranty? Uh, exactly. It's, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. It, um, it's one of those things where it's one of those calculated risks. I think you have to take because any brand could say, well, we're not going to honor the warranty. If you bought this from, uh, you know, from Joe's bait and tackle on Amazon. Uh, but I, I don't think anyone's ever going to do that. Now, just to play devil's advocate, uh, mm-hmm. the, the legal team over at Voris uh, would disagree with you. Yes, so, they would. There's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely would. Uh, those guys charging $700 an hour to do brand protection and then not actually ever really doing anything other than sending out those, those letters. Uh, those guys, <laughs> those guys, those guys are living the dream. Uh, yes. you know, yeah. And uh, if you ever can't sleep, just take one of those letters out and, <laughs> you know, except the first one, the first time you get one, I was all fired up and I actually started oh, breaking it. My opinion, they could be beaten in court. Like I, they would, I don't think they would ever win. You know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, the seller has to have the, the gumption and the funds. Yes. But I think they would win. There and th- I know a guy uh, who has beaten a couple of brands in court, and and he's been paid some handsome sums. Uh, I, I, he doesn't make a big deal about it, but uh, he's a guy who has the gumption uh, to do it, and he's someone who he's good with details, and so he's poured over, you know, legal documents and contracts and all kinds of stuff, and. And he has beaten, I want to say, two or three brands and actually made quite a bit of money uh, kind of teaching them a lesson. So uh, he's doing the Lord's work uh, and he's doing it quietly. (laughs) So I appreciate him for that. Uh, Arbitrage violates Amazon's terms of service. Oh, this is the this is the haymaker in the chats whenever you see it. You know, there's there's always a couple of times I've seen it where. You know, somebody comes in, the conversation's going a little bit, you know, like, hey, I'm, you know, I want to do arbitrage, but, you know, and they're getting their ducks in a row and they're getting all sorts of random d- advice from different directions. And then somebody comes in with what they think is the hammer and they go, well, have fun when your account's suspended because arbitrage violates Amazon's terms of service. <laughs> Drop mic right there. See, I don't... I don't know. I've read a lot of the terms of service. I'll be honest. I haven't read all of them, uh, but I do try to keep myself abreast of what's going on. Does anyone ever post a link or show where it says that in the terms? No, they never even follow up on any, you know, if anybody challenged it, they just ghost it from there. It's just like, of course, my work here is done. (laughs) See, this is, this is one of those things where I think it's, oh, well, I heard this from somebody I trust who, who also heard it from someone else. Uh, but this has got to be one of the easiest, the easiest falsehoods to prove, uh, prove wrong. Because nowhere does it say that you can't resell products on Amazon. Matter of fact, I mean, let's think about this logically for a moment. Uh, anybody who sells on Amazon is reselling. Uh, even Amazon themselves. And and you could make the argument that, well, private labeling is is not reselling. But here's the thing. You're buying a product from a manufacturer. You're not, most people, 
are not manufacturing something in their own backyard or in their own warehouse or factory. They are putting a twist on something or putting a sticker on a product that's already created in a factory in China or here in America or Mexico or wherever. And everybody is really just reselling something that someone else made. Um, if you're doing wholesale, that's just a different form of arbitrage. You just happen to buy it in bigger quantities from a distributor rather than a retailer. Uh, and you know, one of my favorite stories, and I doubt that Amazon does this to this day, but I remember when I was a, a bit of a newer seller, uh, it was Q4, and this was kind of, I know, I think we've talked about it in the past where uh, different verticals on Amazon, they kind of hit that 20% mark and then there seems to be hockey stick growth. Uh, but I want to say that this was at the time when toys were getting to that hockey stick growth on Amazon during Q4. Uh, and Amazon had employees from warehouses in different parts of the country hitting up Walmarts and Targets to buy things like pie face and you know these other things during you know christmas time that people wanted to buy so amazon has sent people out to do arbitrage on their behalf uh, plus amazon relies on the long tail one of the reasons that amazon is so uh, i don't know everyone wants to shop there is when's the last time you searched for something on amazon and the search results came back empty Right. It's never happened. I bought a Exactly. I want I bought a, a a birthday gift for someone the other day and I and I wanted to get them a a garden gnome, but I wanted a very particular garden gnome. This very niche garden gnome. Amazon had it. And they had it prime, you know, and it wasn't something that I was expecting to be able to see really quickly, but but they had it. So Amazon relies on the long tail. And if you're not sure what the long tail is, Google that. Uh, it's, it's, worth a, it's worth a quick read on, on Wikipedia and, and a few other places. Uh, but Amazon cannot get the long tail products from private label sellers. They can't get those long tail products from most wholesale sellers because if you've got to buy, you know, 100 units of something, you can't. You can't have that in stock for the next 12 months. You've got to get it sold. Uh, but that's where the arbitrage seller comes in. You or I, we could have 1,500 different products on Amazon uh, that maybe only sell twice a year. And that would be okay as long as there were margins there to handle fulfillment fees and storage fees and things like that. But that business model is possible on Amazon and, and not really possible anywhere else. And it's also one of the things that makes Amazon successful because they don't want, they don't want the consumer to bounce. And we as arbitrage sellers make that possible. Exactly. And, and Amazon can only stock so much stuff themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this actually leads into another one that, that we're planning on talking about that and this is just kind of a, a basic attitude that Amazon hates third-party sellers. They hate us, um, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and we can talk, you know, the, the, the smarter way to dispel uh, this one is, is to simply talk about the growth and the, and the numbers that have been released. But, but you make a good point because 
it's you know it's that bounce rate if, if you could keep them on the site and you can employ these third-party sellers um you know to to expand your catalog you know isn't that ultimately what amazon wants to be you know the place where you find absolutely everything um you know they'd probably still be a bookstore if, if they weren't interested in in uh you know providing a, a massive catalog to, to customers and you know they, they've always been you know getting moving to the that they hate us um you know most of the time when you hear somebody that talking about they hate us they'll always throw in something along the lines of you know amazon's policies always favor the buyer you know <laughs> and they say that like that's proof that they hate us mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't think that's proof that they hate us. I think that's number one. It, it's, it's evidence, you know, it, it's a reason why this company has, has become such an enormous, incredible company mm-hmm. in, in a relatively short period of time. You know, it's, it's easy to become complacent and forget just how incredible amazon.com is itself, you know, yeah. and, and we get a direct benefit from that, you know, because it's, it's a marketplace, you know, um, I forget what somebody was complaining about something and, and it's, you know, basically my comment was, well, you know what, feel free to go build your own marketplace with, I forget how many, what is it? How many unique users per month does Amazon have? Is oh, I, I don't even know. It's eight figures or nine figures. I mean, it's, it's, it's a mind boggling number. Yeah. Yeah. So you have so much traffic and, and there's so much business, you know, and, and pull whatever stat you want, you know, the, the number of sales, every second on Amazon or, I mean, it's all the, (laughs) it all proves just how incredible this marketplace is, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have a place to, to go, you know, buy our products, you know, find the margins that we want. And it, most of the time, unless you're, you're really finding obscure stuff, uh, you know, you have a place to sell basically anything, you know, you find, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, finding the right margins and, and finding the, you know, a spot, you know, with the other sellers, you know, but it has nothing to do with the marketplace itself. You know, it, it, I don't think they hate us. You know, I I think their, their growth, you know, is, uh, well, well, it wasn't too long ago that, um, they announced that third party sellers are actually the biggest portion of their sales. Correct. Yes. So uh, here's, here's what I like to say when someone says Amazon hates third party sellers, or they want to get rid of third party sellers, I remember a couple of years ago when Jeff Bezos wrote one of his annual shareholder letters. He then did an interview and he he said kind of in his weird, almost maniacal laugh uh, that third party sellers were kicking Amazon's first party butt. Uh, (laughs) And he seemed happy about it. And, And of course, he should be because he realizes that. Amazon has all this inventory that they paid $0 for. Yes, they handle the fulfillment network and and things like that, but they have all this inventory that they get to sell and then they get a commission on it because they have the eyeballs, which is fair. And yes, does Amazon's, do their terms and things like that, does it feel like it, uh, it benefits the customer more? Yes. Absolutely. And I think all the points you made are, are absolutely relevant. I think one thing is, as us sellers maybe need to internalize a little bit more is some advice that my grandfather gave me uh, when him and I used to sell insurance together. And so he always explained, he's like, listen, he's like, our customers literally put food on our tables. 
And I think Amazon has kept that same kind of mindset, uh, you know, while they've grown, which is surprising. A lot of companies kind of get too big for their britches and, you know, you know, customers don't necessarily uh, don't necessarily seem to be their number one concern as, as they start becoming more concerned with shareholders and profits and things like that. But Amazon has always kept their eye on the customer, uh, which is what keeps people coming back. They know if if Amazon screws up or a third party seller screws up uh, or UPS screws up, that Amazon's going to probably make it right. Uh, and that allows us to do what we do. So does it get frustrating sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, but sure. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, I guess one of the other things that we could talk about, about Amazon trying to get rid of third party sellers is we should talk about how many new sellers there are that come into the space. Uh, Amazon could easily say, you know, well, either a, we're not taking any more new sellers or we're going to make it so hard that you're, you're not going to try this platform. You're going to go to eBay to Facebook marketplace, to Walmart, wherever else you can sell. Uh, but they're not doing that. There are 700 new sellers per day that come to the U.S. marketplace. Uh, and I think uh, across the world, it's something like 2,000 new sellers per day. Now, we could, That's we could incredible. get into the, it really is, isn't it? We could get into the weeds and we could say, oh, well, how many of those people actually sell anything on Amazon? And those numbers are going to be a lot smaller, uh, you know, but... That opportunity is there for at least 700 new sellers per day in the U.S. market, and Amazon's not stopping them. Now, the uh, uh, we're not going to feed the trolls, but you know, preemptively, somebody would say, "Okay, that proves saturation, right?" Yeah, you would you would think, you know, you would think, but there's uh, there was a study I was just reading the other day about how much. Um, how much of total retail sales are in the e-commerce market. Uh, and it's right around like, it's like 19 or 21%. I forget the number, uh, but we're right on the cusp of getting to that, that kind of knockover point. Uh, it seems that when, when saturation hits a certain point, and what I mean by saturation in this is, uh, you know, the number of people buying online, once it hits that 20 to 25 percent mark, you actually start start to see hockey stick growth again. Uh, and Amazon's kind of had hockey stick growth, and it seems to be slowing down by number of you know prime users and things like that. But we're going to see e-commerce continue to get bigger and bigger. Um, and maybe we'll we're going way over what we said we were going to go over for our episode, but. <laughs> You know, we could talk about how many retail stores are expected to close down over the next several years. Uh, and we could talk about how many people shifted from, uh, you know, only buying in stores to buying on online during, uh, you know, COVID uh, and how sticky that customer becomes. Because why not watch Murder, She Wrote and order denture cream, uh, you know, instead of having to go to Walmart to get it. Uh yeah. You know, and it, it expanded the market too. You know, it it brought a bunch of people that probably wouldn't have moved into e-commerce. You know, it, it kind of forced uh, a bigger market. You know, from from what we probably would have seen under normal circumstances. You know, I know, yeah. and, and I have I have several family members that back up my point. 
you know, they, they can't tell what group chat they're in, you know, um, however, they're, they're having, you know, groceries delivered to their doorstep. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that I definitely don't think it's, it's saturated. I think there's, I think there's still a lot of room for growth. Uh, and it, I don't know. We'll talk about it in another episode, but there's some cool things that Amazon's going to be doing here in the future that I think is actually going to, and I think it's going to be good for Amazon sellers as a whole. And it's going to continue to grow the pie of consumers who want to come buy from us. Um, I know that we've got several more myths to be busted, uh, but you okay with holding those for another episode? Yeah, no, I, I think the general idea was, you know, this could be easily be a recurring theme that, you know, because there were, there are plenty of myths, you know, even that aren't on our, our, uh, our doc. So, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, now as we, as we end the episode and this will get a little bit cleaner and things like that, as we, as we kind of catch our stride, but we're going to try to end every episode with a quote. If you know me at all, I am, I love quotes. Uh, and I know that Chris loves quotes as well. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to, read a quote and then we're going to maybe talk about it for a minute or two as we close out and kind of what you can take away from, uh, you know, from a piece of wisdom from people who are a lot smarter than us. Uh, and so today's quote comes from one of my favorite authors, James Clear. If you haven't read his book, Atomic Habits, I think it should be required reading for just about everybody. Uh, but his quote today is one roadblock almost never ruins you. There might not be a thousand ways to accomplish something, but there's almost always more than one way. Know what you want. Be flexible about how you get there from James Clear. Um, I don't know, Chris, what what do you think about that quote? I think that ties in pretty well with, with what we're talking about. You know, if, if you kind of try to put yourself in the shoes of the people who are saying some of these myths, you know, I think they're people that that, you know, certainly don't look at things that way. You know, that, that there's, you know, there, there are different ways to accomplish the, the same goal. I, I thought, you you know, knowing that we were talking about myths, I thought in the seller forums, I thought you're going to go with the Abraham Lincoln quote of uh, don't believe everything you read on the internet, but I, you made a pivot to, to James Clear. So, I, I mean, that's cool. That would uh, that would have been a much better one. <laughs> but no, that's, uh, you know, it, and James and Atomic Habits, you mentioned Atomic Habits. I, and, I put the motivation myth right below it because it had had similar impacts to me, um, you know, reading it, you know, it was, it was kind of mind blowing, you know, it, it, the way I think a lot of it is, is the way it's delivered and stuff. And James clear is, is fantastic. Um, but yeah, you, you, you know, you have to adapt, you know, and, and I think the compliment in, in maybe the motivation myth to James clear quote is how he talked about setting a goal figuring out the process and then forgetting about the goal, you mm -hmm. know, and, and then you simply work on the process, you know, and, and it's, you know, if you're only, if, if you're only focusing on the goal or, you know, or you, you don't forget about it or don't pay enough attention to the process, a, a roadblock can be devastating, you know, but it, but if you're really, if you're paying more attention to the processes that are in place, I think that lends itself to be more flexible because you can, you can make tweaks here and there and, and still be moving in the general direction of where you want to go. It's mm -hmm. basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 
I love that. What my favorite, I think my favorite part of this quote is, is know what you want and be flexible about how you get there. Uh, because if there's, if there's one constant in, I guess, life business, uh, is that we know that there's always going to be a roadblock. There's always going to be some sort of obstacle. Uh, and, and if we're willing to learn how to get around that over it, under it, whatever we need to do, uh, we don't ever have to lose sight of our, of our goal, what we want, but you just need to figure out a way around, uh, something I say on a, on a fairly regular basis to my son when he tells me, you know, I, I don't know how to, how to figure out my homework. I'm like, listen, everything is figure outable. Uh, and it's not, I know his English teacher's probably going to hate that when he says it to her, uh, you know, when he's older, <laughs> but, um, everything is figure outable, uh, as long as we're flexible enough. And, uh, I think that's, I think that's a huge thing in, in any business and especially this business. Um, so yeah, all right, Chris. That was a uh, that was a good first episode in the books, um, and we'll be back next week with another new episode for you guys. Uh, we'll hold off on telling you what it's about quite yet, in case we decide we want to go another direction. But come back every single Tuesday. We're going to have new episodes both on well anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple, Google, think Stitcher, Overcast, all those other ones. If you could do us a huge favor, please rate and review our podcast. It would be super helpful. Uh, and of course, I'm going to read through those ratings and reviews to see what you like, what you don't like, and what you'd like to see more of. Uh, and that's it for us this week, guys. Chris, thanks for hanging out with me, man. Uh, and all of you out there, thanks for listening in uh, to us ramble on for the last hour. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.